You're listening to Smart to Death Radio. Hey everybody, it's the interview queen Alicia Toot here, and you are currently listening to and obviously enjoying Queen's Court. Hi, I'm the Asian sensation Kanji. You're listening to Queen's Court. Hi guys, this is the Queen of Queen's Massage talking. And I am so happy to introduce you to the Queen's Court. All right, everyone, welcome back from that small commercial break. And I have her with me. As I said in the beginning, she's here. I'm so excited to be speaking to Laura Merrow. How are you, Laura? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm very good, thank you. Oh, good. I'm so glad you're here to talk with me today. It's so nice to have another female voice. <laughs> you know, I feel like <laughs> constantly, especially on my show, I've only had one lady that wanted to come on. So for me, this is really exciting. I love to talk to other female wrestling fans and um, especially for this episode, to be able to talk and speak with you about pro wrestling journalism. I'm super excited. It's really, really nice to have. Like, there's not many of us around, but it's, you know, when you come together, it's it's, it's like a small community of us. It's it's, it's a nice feeling. <laughs> it is. I feel the same way. <laughs> so for the Queen's Courtiers listeners, would you mind just giving a little brief background on who you are and what it is you do? Right. So I, so I write uh, articles uh, and opinion pieces for Daily DDT, uh, for Bell to Bells, which is a women's uh, wrestling website, uh, and for Steel Chair magazine. So I get around a little bit. Um, and when I'm not writing about wrestling, I also write fiction on the side. So I do a little bit of everything. You do a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, I get around. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? That's all right. We like that. We like to dabble in all sorts of of things and of course being a wrestling journalist I would imagine you enjoy wrestling right <laughs> oh yeah you'd hope so wouldn't you yeah you would hope so you would hope yeah. so <laughs> yeah I watch a lot of wrestling I watch a lot of different things not so much not as much WWE these days but I'm kind of branching out into sort of New Japan and pro wrestling even a lot of kind of smaller independents so but I did you know as a lot of people do I started off with WWE and WCW so I have sure. pedigree in that yeah, that's kind of where you got your beginnings. I feel like everybody yeah. is that similar way. You know, back in the day, it was not we didn't have as many options as we do right now. And no. the world is so global and so interactive and so on the internet that we could stream and look at most anything we'd like to. It brings us into you know, different perspectives and different personalities and different languages, which I feel is so beneficial as a wrestling fan to have your worldview broadened. Oh, for sure. It's 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 kind of I think we're in a golden age for wrestling right now, because as you pointed out, you know, back in the day you had WCW and you had WWF and you had maybe you had ECW if you had that kind of outlet. But, you know, being able to watch wrestling from Japan and wrestling from, you know, from other countries is it, it when I was growing up, you, that was impossible. You know, unless you knew the guy who knew the guy that you could get the videos from, you know, it was you, exactly. you, didn't, have that, you didn't have that option. So and I think particularly now when we're in an era that um like western wrestling american wrestling is is so dominated by wwe and so dominated by vince mcmahon's kind of vision if you like i think it really is important that we've got this access to there is a there is a whole world of wrestling outside of wwe and we have access to it and it's amazing because uh like you said perspectives different perspectives different philosophies different ways of wrestling different um you know just understanding that the world 
the world of wrestling isn't just just Vince McMahon. It's yeah, it's a really good thing. Absolutely, yeah, I, I totally feel the same way, and especially because if you're stuck watching only one promotion and that's what you really like that's great but I feel like you're limiting yourself within the professional sport or sports entertainment business you're not allowing yourself to look elsewhere and that's something I feel sad about when I hear people that's like no I only watch WWE and that's it and I'm like oh but there's so much out there you gotta like just try one thing (laughs) right you know it doesn't have to be like the same things that I like Like, I totally get that for some people New Japan might not be their thing I get that but then you know try stardom try Eve try you know MLW try this there's just so much out there that might appeal to you you know there's Revolution Pro Wrestling there's uh AAA there's everything you know there's a whole literally a whole world of wrestling and there's going to be something out there that pushes your buttons if you just you know just take a look at a few different things so yeah it's, it's like, not like saying you know oh you only only watch wwe and that means you're not a real wrestling fan or that's bad you know i know because you see that a lot don't you but yes at oh the my same God. time it's a good thing to just open open yourself to to see what everyone else is doing you know that the, the way that other people do wrestling just it's there's a strong possibility you'll find something that that you really like yeah, absolutely. I know I have, and I'm sure you have as well. And speaking on that, what is a promotion or uh, some wrestlers that you're really into at the moment? What so is my Laura life, like? <laughs> what is Laura like? Oh, you could be here for a long time with that question. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm really lucky that my local promotion is Pro Wrestling Eve. Um, they yeah. uh, do monthly shows uh, about like half an hour's train ride from where I live so uh since around probably around this time last year come to think of it or maybe a little bit later um I've been sort of attending their shows regularly once a month um and they're just you know they're doing some really unique stuff at pro wrestling even I think part of that is because it's all women um and part of it is because their their ethos is very different to a lot of other wrestling companies, which I find really interesting. So it's very much about uh, it is unashamedly political, which I think is actually a really good thing in pro wrestling mm-hmm. because pro wrestling tends to, uh, for want of a better, a better word, it tends to be the wrong kind of political in some ways. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly when it comes to women's wrestling. But they're just also the other thing with pro wrestling, Eve, is they're just fun. And sometimes I feel like that's missing from from wrestling sometimes just you know like just to give you an example I think earlier this year there was a show uh, I went to and a match turned into a game of Twister which turned into a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos and it's just you know that's not 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 every match you know there's a lot of pure wrestling that goes on but every now and again they just do something a little bit out there and a little bit wild and it's just enjoyable because you don't know what you're going to get it's the unpredictability factor of it but they're doing that's special yeah yeah it makes it different and I feel like, you know, to your point, we need some levity. There's not a lot of levity out there right now to make us go, oh, man, you know, remember when I used to, like, love this? <laughs> Let me love right. it again and have some fun and be a little cheeky with it and enjoy. And I feel like a lot of people could benefit from seeing a show or a match like that. I totally agree. And I'm not saying that everything has to be comedy wrestling. You know, I'm, well, I course, get yeah. comedy wrestling is divisive, and I do understand that. I mean, I've always been a fan. You know, I love Colt Cabana. So, yeah. you know, Colt Cabana is kind of the the god of comedy wrestling. So, you know, I will always fall down on the side of comedy wrestling is good, actually. But, you know, when you look at, OK, let's let's WWE is the obvious example here. Really, you've kind of got the New Day and they're the only kind of a bit of light in what tends to be 
either very serious or kind of very niche weird humor that doesn't quite translate universally but whereas you've got right. the new day and they're there and they're just having fun and they're kind of goofy and they're kind of you know clearly having a wild time and that translates to everyone i think so it's good to have something that's a little bit a little bit light-hearted and a little bit it just i think when wrestling takes itself too seriously you know that's when it starts to disappear up its own backside a little bit <laughs> sometimes yeah not always, no sometimes. i understand not always but yeah no you're yeah. right i feel like that that's a lot of things and especially in the the quote unquote mainstream that we're losing and i feel like that's something that they could bring back and it doesn't have to be you know that kiddish type humor necessarily you know vince has a lot of like oh look i put powder that makes your behind itch in your shorts yeah that yeah kind of stuff <laughs> like the uh, usos did to the revival and that's oh. not necessarily it but at least it's an attempt to try something i'm yeah, just yeah. i'm wishing it's a little more like <laughs> the new day and a little less like that <laughs> i guess you've got to give them points for trying but yeah when when you when your humor is like oh isn't it funny they shave each other's back in the shower it's like ah i mean uh. Yeah, I'm glad you find it funny anyway, Vince, you know. I guess. Like someone <laughs> does, because the rest of the world yeah. was not in it. So. <laughs> but, like, you know, that's the kind of thing that I remember when I was young, you know, and I was watching the Attitude Era, and you had a lot of that kind of humor. And it was like, that was the sure. kind of thing that kind of made me embarrassed to show it to other people sometimes. Yeah, I know what like, you mean. It's what it's about, you know. It's, there's, right. there's so much more to it than this. But that's what people <sighs> expect it to be. That's true. That is what they expect it to be, which is why still I think to this day it's not quote unquote cool, right, to be a wrestling fan because it's got that yeah. that vibe still attached to it, that stink kind of stigma, if you will. But, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it right. Does. Yeah. And things are, you know, they're evolving and they're so different now, you know, especially for America, the fact that there's promotions that are coming up really strongly to I wouldn't say challenge WWE, but provide that alternative yeah. and that people really enjoy. I feel like that's something that is changing the game and, and the landscape, at least over here in America. So I was curious as to your thoughts about AEW. What do you think about the promotion as a whole and, and what they have to offer so far on their roster and what the shows they've put out? Um, so, I mean, I think overall, like philosophically speaking, I think AEW is a really good thing overall. I uh, yeah, I remember back in, you know, back in the days we were talking that you had WWF or as it was then, but you also had WCW and you had ECW. And this is before, you know, WWE kind of like consumed them all and <laughs> just became yeah, a giant yeah. loaded entity. But what was great about that is you had competition. So, you know, WWF or WWF or WWE was trying you know, literally to, to, to actively compete with WCW, to actively compete, okay, not so much with ECW, but the point was is that it couldn't get complacent, it couldn't get lazy because it had something else, you know, viewers could go somewhere else. Right. And that's been missing in, the, in, in, the, in, in American wrestling particularly. That's been absent for quite a long time now. So one thing that I, I my, my, my fond hope for AEW is it does take off and that it does become an alternative. And, you know, we say it's not challenging yet and you're right, but I hope it does challenge. Not necessarily because I want WWE to fail, because I don't, but I want WWE to be better. And I feel like there's no incentive for WWE to be better right now because it just churns out whatever it wants to churn out. And because it's basically the only company doing what it does on that scale, people will just consume it because it's all there is. So AEW, I feel like if it ups its game and it, and you know, and I think is it October it goes weekly or is it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm kind of hoping that this it does take off and that people embrace it because I think competition is a good thing. You know, I think it's a good thing for Vince to be a little bit, you know, on the back foot and to, to be or just be aware that, you know, you can't just put out a half assed product and you can't yeah. just sloppily book it and, you know, come turn up to Smackdown and with four hours to go and rewrite the whole show just because you feel like it. You know, you've actually got to put some thought into it now. Um in terms of AEW itself, uh, the events they've put on so far, I think, have been good quality. I think the wrestling has been good. It's it's similar to WWE, but it's not the same, which I think is a real key, mm-hmm. uh, particularly at this early stage, because you, I think it's it's quite shrewd because I feel like there's a concerted effort to draw WWE fans towards them by having these kind of noble similarities, but by also providing something that's noticeably you know, off off that track. Um, I really like what they're doing with their women's division so far as well. I think Nyla Rose is a very cool addition to, to the roster. They, and they're treating her, you know, like a real... Like, you know, you see how Nyla Rose is and you think that's how Nyla Jax should have been booked the whole time. Oh, you know? yes. <laughs> You're I'm like, so you know, glad you said that. Yes. Yeah, like that, that's how you book a dominant monster female heel. You book her like Nyla Rose. You don't just piss about, so use my language, sorry. You don't just mess around like you do with the like they did with Nia Jax for such a long time. So oh. I think it's got a lot of promise, and I, I do hope for wrestling's sake as a whole that it, it succeeds. Yeah, I, I do as well. You know, to your point earlier about WWE, I feel like they rest on their laurels a lot, and it's oh, a sure. little bit of lazy booking, and it's, well, I just feel like it, so this is what I'm going to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they take for granted that the fans that watch are just going to, like, deal with it. And I feel like in this day and age, that's just not the case anymore because of the fact that we can and do watch other promotions. You know, I I find myself watching WWE less and less because it's not giving me the same love that I have when I watch New Japan or when I watch Stardom. Uh, So for me, it's like, well, why am I here? Why am I viewing your product then if this is how you're going to go? If there's no thought and real intricacy to how you're going to do these things, then I'm really not interested because I can find that other places. But when I want to see a legend or when I want to see, you know, big fight type feel, then I'll watch WrestleMania. But your weekly programming isn't impressing me. And that's the hope that I have for AEW as well. I'm hoping that their weekly programming is similar to how they've been booking their pay-per-views in that everyone has a chance to shine in their own way. And that I find they are doing quite well so far for being in their infancy. So I like that part a lot. I also really like the women's division. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Yeah. I also like the women's division quite a bit. Uh, B Priestley is, you know, just what an addition in general. Right. And then all these other wonderful Josie, wrest- Joshi, excuse me, wrestlers and, you know, Britt Baker and Nyla. It, it's like, this is a big potential here, and I'm really excited for that, as well as the tag team division. It's something that not a lot of other promotions are putting such a heavy focus on. So I feel like they're giving us something different, but you're right. It has sort of a WWE-type vibe sometimes. Yeah, and I feel like as they go along, that I, I sense they'll kind of move away from that a little more. Sure. as they Because I think they've obviously got to find their own identity as they go on as well. You know, they put on a couple of big shows, and you can see that they've got an idea of what they want to be. And that's great. But it is going to take them time to bed in. And it obviously, you know, I think when it comes to writing a weekly show, that's a different challenge from having one-off pay-per-views. They're going to have to 
have a consistent style they're going to have to have a consistent vision and I think that's where we're going to start to see AEW kind of pull away from WWE and go in a different direction and I have faith that they will do that because I think the team that they've got um have you know obviously you've got creative differences with WWE and I think they've got certain issues with the way WWE do things which gives me hope that they will uh sort of consciously try and give us something different you know and you're right you know actually you were quite you're spot on when you say about tag team division that's a really really good point because tag team wrestling is something wwe is kind of treated as an afterthought for such a long time Mm. and when you've got the bucks you know obviously they they live and they breathe tag team wrestling so you've got it's great i think that that's the key you've got people on the on aw staff who who deeply care about different aspects of wrestling so you've got the bucks who are all about the tag team wrestling but also all about the spectacle which is great. But then you've got someone like Cody, who's very old school in a lot of ways. You know, his match right. with um, with Dustin was was so old school wrestling. And it was I was actually mesmerized by that because, um, you know, it, it just took me back to to my childhood and watching like really old school WWF, you know, pre probably pre attitude era as well. Um, and then you've got Kenny Omega, who Kenny Omega is kind of whatever you think of him i think he's got an incredible creative mind sure and uh, he also you know by his own admission cares a lot about women's wrestling cares a lot about joshi wrestling in particular so i have a lot of faith in him to kind of create because i guess one thing that njpw is always given that wwe doesn't necessarily give is a focus on long-term storytelling yeah which is something i really value in wrestling i really love like you know wwe always feels a bit myopic like from week to week the storyline is you know a storyline can be going on for two weeks and in third in week three it just gets dropped like yep. you know and it never comes back again we've just forgotten all about it and then jpw to, to the most part they they do they're better at continuing a stories and and a story that they told a year ago it may not pay off until a year later but it will pay off and the yeah. payoff will be worth the wait and i think kenny omega in particular is kind of a master of that so that's kind of you know i'm really hoping that aew has a similar outlook that it's got this kind of long-term storytelling and it focuses on the story because that's you know I, know, I love the sports aspect of it, but I love the entertainment aspect of it as well. That's why I watch wrestling and not boxing or, you know, or whatever other sport. I love the drama of it. And I would love to see them have these really well, well-written, um, relatable kind of stories that you just don't get in WWE right now. Yeah. And that's, I think, what's going to really set them apart is that storytelling and how they craft that intricacy between the wrestlers you know, not yeah. only physically, but verbally. How, how are they going to tell and sell that story with their words and physically in terms of not just the wrestling, but their body language? And that's, I think, something that they will be able to do very well. And I'm I'm hoping, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that, you know, when I talk to you in, like, let's say, November, that we have something good to say, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, no, I am. My, my fingers are so tightly crossed. I really want yes. this to, to – I want, I want the promise that they're showing to pay off, and I have faith. I but know. at the same time, you know, you get burned very frequently, don't you, when you're a wrestling fan? So. <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah. that's very true. And, you know, another thing I really wanted to speak with you about, speaking of getting burned, is uh, <laughs> this world that we're in and social media and news and reporting, you know, especially with individuals like on Twitter, let's say, in the wrestling community, it's so like separated. <laughs> You know, I feel like I see so many times that, you know, 
people are bashing AEW or bashing WWE and there's no room in the middle. And, you know, there's a lot of this, I don't know if I go as far as toxicity, but sometimes it gets there. And I'm really curious as to your perspective about the role that wrestling journalists can play uh, in not only reporting on what's going on in wrestling, but to do so responsibly, right? Because this is what you do. Yeah. But before we get quite there, what is your writing background? Now, you'd mentioned a little bit about writing fiction. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, when you were younger, you were like, yes, maybe uh, wrestling journalism is in my future. Or maybe it was. And that's what I wanted to ask you first. What is your writing story? How did it come to be for you to be a writer? Right. So it's a long, it goes a long way back. So ever since I was a kid, I've always been writing, you know, I've made up stories and, and poems and I've always been a storyteller, always. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is also one of the reasons I gravitate towards wrestling, because wrestling tells stories and sure. it tells stories in a different way. You know, it's to film, to TV, to books. It's, 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 you know, I've always said that wrestling is kind of like violent ballet. Or, yes. uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Or like, or like theater, but with, you know, like theater with gymnastics. It's, it's just this really wonderfully unique way of telling stories. So I, I, I've been a professional, well, I hate the word professional because I still don't feel like a professional, but I published <laughs> writer since, uh, since 2012 uh, of short fiction. So I started off uh, writing short stories um, and uh, wrestling journalism is kind of a thing that happened because I love writing and I love wrestling. And I kind of just one day thought, wouldn't it be great if I could write about wrestling? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just kind of like a, a, like, like a light bulb appeared above my head and I thought, hey, I love writing. I love wrestling. Why don't I put those two things together? Um, and it's great because I've been really lucky to write with for people who indulge my kind of um my narrative streak you know they don't mm-hmm. mind me being a little bit uh a bit uh prosy on the page you know they don't it's not just I don't have to be uh just like a dry news story if I don't want to they've been really encouraging of me writing you know in a in a style that suits uh that suits not fiction obviously I'm not writing fiction that's the whole point right <laughs> but like the same like the same kind of style like you know there's a little bit sure, of uh, yeah. imagination a little bit of life to the prose which I like um so yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun kind of adapting to to journalism, but also trying to retain a little bit of that kind of that personality that I that I try and put into it. Yeah, it's got your own spin, your own flair, your own like you said, personality into your. Yeah, writing. I try to. Yeah, right, I, I, yeah. And I hope it kind of I hope it kind of works. But yeah, I feel like writers have their own identity, even in journalism. I feel like it gets lost sometimes. You know, oh, I'm just like saying what's going on. But when you really go into the opinion pieces and history type of um, of writing, it, it can get really entertaining in that way yeah and those are the kind of things that I like to read yeah me well, too yeah. where someone's put a little bit of themselves in there because yeah. obviously you know you've got the, your news pieces but you know if, if someone's reviewing a show I want to know what they thought I want to know what what it made them feel what it made them think you know that's 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 why I watch wrestling right you know I, I watch wrestling because it makes you feel and think things so I want to know what it's making people think and feel yeah of course and plus you know what's really great about that especially you know in, in opinion writing and in podcasting as well you get to hear other people's perspectives and yeah. that can either maybe oh confirm oh wow someone feels the same way I do or oh man I didn't think about it like that at all like I feel totally right. different and that I think is is very good and a positive thing 
for us as wrestling fans to kind of foster that well we all have different opinions it's not necessarily a bad thing yeah definitely like we're not fighting each other so like you you touched on this a second ago when you're talking yeah. about uh sort of like wwe versus AEW, and i hope AEW fails and i hope wwe fails and like so i'm coming from a perspective of right now i'm kind of like a very much a lapsed wwe fan you know i cancelled my yeah. network subscription a little while ago because it just it just wasn't doing anything for me you know even nxt which is previously the love of my wrestling life i just oh, yeah. you know the magic is kind of it's kind of gone a little bit for me now um so I've I'm taking a break, you know. We've not we've not we've not we've not split up. We're just taking a break. We're working <laughs> we're working some things out. That's but, right. I love but, that. <laughs> but like, I I don't understand the tr- the kind of very uh, all or nothing attitude that some people have. Like, you don't need to be loyal to WWE because WWE is not loyal to you. No, and, and not just WWE. To be fair, like no one promotion is loyal to you specifically. They're just they're out there doing their own thing right and they're doing their own thing and you know it's it's a business as well it's all but there's so much vitriol and it's not even between uh promotions it's between wrestlers you know if you love baron corbin you suck you know right, you know i love yes. baron corbin. why do people have to be so kind of like intense, <laughs> intense yeah these things like it's you just see, I, I love doing these kind of podcasts as well because I, i'll be talking to people and they'll have a completely different perspective on something to me and i'll kind of think you know in my head i'll be like well i don't agree with that but at the same time it's actually really cool to hear you explain why you feel that because you know it, it's, it's valuable to get outside your own head sometimes yeah it absolutely is and you know it's good to have perspective in your life, not just in wrestling, but in general. It's always good to reflect yeah. on why you feel a certain way and why that is your opinion and, you know, what was the root of that and how did you come to that conclusion versus how did someone else come to their conclusions and yeah. opinions. And that's a valuable tool to have for just success in life. But I feel like in wrestling, fandom and interaction and social media, that's something where people could take more pause, I think. I think so as well, yeah. And you you see these on like wherever if you go on uh, uh like Squared Circle Reddit or any of those places, and sure. there's always kind of like two tiers to the conversation. You get people who are like having a nice civil, uh, you know, oh, I don't agree with you, but that's cool, you know. Which is which is you know I love that. That's great because it's you know no one's going to change each other's mind. That's not the point of it, you know. No one's trying to go actually. I think you should think of it this way, but it mm-hmm. just goes to show that wrestling has to kind of it has to do a lot of different things because you're catering to a lot of different people and a lot of people want want different things and that's why it's a good thing you've got wwe you've got new japan you've got AEW, and hopefully they will all do something slightly different because there's a lot of wrestling fans out there and we all want different things from the product but also um then you get the, the guys who are like you know like, like i said earlier they're just tearing each other apart for the most ridiculous sure. reasons and that i don't get particularly you know wrestling is not you know, you know, and I say this is somebody who lives and breathes wrestling, but it's not be all and end all. It's not, you know, it's not right. life and death. It's just right. you're meant to enjoy it. Yeah. And if you're just screaming at somebody because they don't like Alexa Bliss and you think she's the best thing in the world, it's it's you're like, are you really enjoying it? Is that how you enjoy things? I'm slightly concerned. <laughs> yeah, me too. That makes me very nervous when people are shouting like that and getting really angry, so to yeah. speak, about silly little things and you know in the grand scheme of 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 uh, the world but right i feel like there's a lot you know our society in general has gotten very open in terms of i'm going to say my opinion and right. i'm going to be very vocal about my opinion mm-hmm. and my opinion is that's it and i feel like 
a lot of people are on the defensive end of that as opposed to the open end of that. And I wonder how that translates into journalism. What is what do you think the responsibilities are of somebody who is a wrestling journalist? And like your thoughts on things like dirt sheets in general. Right. I think that's a really interesting question, actually, because, um, you know, it's something that I do think about, especially when I'm writing pieces and especially when I'm writing opinion pieces, because mm-hmm. it's very easy for you to get uh, dogmatic about things. And sometimes that's important. I think like if I've been approaching issues like uh, the representation of women in wrestling or yeah. the treatment of particular, uh, I think I wrote one about uh, the way that Lita was treated during the Edge and Edge Lita mm-hmm. Matt Hardy kind of. And you do get very uh, passionate about it and I think that's okay but I think there has to come a point where you draw a line under it and say I I can be passionate and I can tell you this is what I think but you has to you have to know that you are only ever saying what you think particularly when it's something like that situation where you're not privy to everything that's gone on and I think this is where dirt sheets I I'm not I'm not I'm not a big fan of dirt sheets I think they tend to do more damage than than good because uh, when you you're right about the way that we are right now in, in I think social media is a big part of it but we'd like to jerk our knees at everything you know we see something we form an opinion in 10 seconds and we don't necessarily need all the facts and I think the problem with dirt sheets is a lot of the time they're playing fast and loose with information and there's not a lot of fact under there you know they might have a part of the fact or a, a very small corner of the story and they make an entire story out of that and that's not that's not responsible in my view you're mm. you know you could damage somebody you know this is the problem with social media as we can see if a person makes a mistake uh you know, there is, you do get a mob, you know, and sometimes there's justification in that. If someone wants, you know, being racist or transphobic or sexist or whatever, you know, they should be held accountable for it. But then equally there's um, mistakes, you know, people make mistakes and forgiveness for mistakes is not, you know, it's in short supply, I think sometimes. And then you get dirt sheets that maybe talk about people's personal lives or they throw rumors out about things that that's basically hearsay and that can damage people that can really damage people or it can kind of fan the flames of existing uh discourse you know and it can be as simple as people just hating on a particular wrestler or a particular storyline or a particular promotion but it's kind of it's unhelpful is what I'm trying to say I think it's it's not helpful it doesn't help create nuance because nuance is missing and you don't get nuance from just throwing rumors out there and like half a story or a half-baked kind of piece about something that someone heard that their mate heard that you know someone said there's not I kind of feel like we have a lot of power you know and it doesn't not not to kind of make us sound really pompous but like when you're when when you're when you're a person who writes pieces that get read by people you have a certain degree of power and it's your the onus on that person who is writing that piece to make sure that a it's factually correct you know on a very basic level because if you're putting a load of crap out there that a lot of people will read that and never do any external research they'll just take your word for granted but also that you're not contributing to a kind of atmosphere of you know to, and i think toxicity is a fair word for it, an atmosphere of toxicity in which we're already seeing people at each other's throats for a lot of things and there's no need to kind of contribute to that you can you can have opinions and you can be passionate without tearing other people down I think yeah and that's such an important 
aspect to being a member and participant in the wrestling community and social media, but also as a journalist and as a writer. That's a that's a huge, huge deal. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people, and myself included sometimes, we like the gossip a little bit. It's, oh, it's sure. interesting. It's fun. You know, you get a little tongue-in-cheek sometimes. But I think when it get, goes too far is when at least I get uncomfortable. You know, a lot yeah. of people you know, stuff gets put out about XYZ wrestler, right? And it's very personal. Maybe they're struggling mental health or they're struggling with an addiction or they're struggling with, you know, just something personal that's going on in their life. And that's yeah. blasted everywhere. And I understand that as a celebrity, you know, your life is is under a microscope in a lot of ways. And it's hard to keep a lot of things private. But that doesn't mean that it's all right for everyone else to take advantage of that situation. Sure. Um, you know, They're human beings at the end of it. Yeah, it's very easy for us to forget that these right. are human beings, you know. And also, you know, the, the respons- responsibility of if, if you're dealing with people who maybe are not in a good place mentally right. and you're speculating wildly over the Internet and spreading rumor, that's not going to contribute to making them better that's actually gonna you know that could you could make somebody way worse by doing that so you've got to kind of bear that in mind as well what effect am i having yeah like, absolutely. you because know, they're real people they're human beings we i think it is easy to forget that it is easy to forget that in a lot of ways because you just see them on screen and and yeah. while social media has allowed us into their lives a little bit more and we get to see their personal side right outside of work and what they do with their friends and vacations they go on it makes it more personal in a lot of ways i still feel like people are disconnected from the fact that they're real humans too and they're not you know perfect always this x character right yeah. they they have real feelings and like they yeah, go through exactly, they go yeah. through shit just like we do <laughs> you know what i mean you know i wonder how much of that is down to so there's an uh, kind of social media age is kind of a unique problem because obviously you know we know that wrestlers are playing characters right that's but nowadays there's a, a very blurred line between the wrestler the character and the wrestler the person mm. you know you're seeing this like a, i think obviously the the um bringing of seth rollins and becky lynch's real life relationship into mm. WWE is an example of this because the lines are being very blurred there and it gets there's a potential for it to get really messy but i think sure. that contributes to us kind of having this ambiguous view of, of wrestlers as people because we're never sure like when you go on social media you're not 100% sure if a person is posting in kayfabe or you're they're posting as themselves and it gets tricky because if somebody says something objectionable is it as a kayfabe heel or are they just being an actual dick in real life it's you know right we don't know it's hard to draw that line so like Lacey Evans I sure. think is a really good example of this because everything that you see about Lacey Evans in her real life that we can confirm anyway not about rumor i'm talking about things that are empirically factual she seems like a decent human being for the most part but then you get a lot of the stuff that she says in kayfabe which obviously makes her sound awful which is the point you know she's meant to be awful but that blurs and you get a lot of people who, who then think maybe Lacey evans is awful and then you get the third layer of that you know under real life and under kayfabe which is rumor and you get stories of, well, I heard that she did this in the locker room one time and I heard that this happened. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets really, really murky, because how, you know, how much can you take that as gospel? How much can you kind of believe all that sort of thing without knowing the facts? You know, we we facts have changed. <laughs> like I know that sounds really weird, but I think it's it, much easier for somebody pre- to present something as a fact without the burden of evidence now sure. than it 
it was so it's it's really hard to kind of differentiate a kayfabe personality from a real personality and I think part of that is you know I think some wrestlers do compound that by being a mix of themselves and their characters on social media and that can make things really difficult oh and that's a great point I hadn't really thought about it that fully put together so geez that was great <laughs> that's, that's so cool to think about I'm gonna have a think on that for real because that's really interesting I I also wonder too about what you think we should or you should be writing about as a journalist when it comes to wrestling what would you like to see more of written about and what would you like to put out more of that's really interesting so uh, like uh i guess one of the things i really love to see is more coverage of indies but like in-depth sure. coverage of indies so not just show reviews although show reviews i think are really valuable but the way that we you know so when we talk about wwe we you know, there's news, there's show reviews, there's an abundance of opinion pieces. And all of that is great because then you get a really good sort of breadth of coverage, you know, and all of that's great. I mean, I always gravitate towards opinion pieces because I, as I said to you before, I, I want to see how people feel and what people think about what they're being presented. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and I'm sure that some people like the news more, some people like the show reviews. That's great. You know, we've got a little bit of everything. But I feel like for the indies particularly, and actually, I guess New Japan to an extent, but there's not that same breadth of coverage. So I would really love to see people really getting their teeth into the indies. And like, I know that we tend to go where the audience is as wrestling journalists to a point. And, you know, I've been told before, but a few times that, you know, like, you, you know, write what you want, obviously, but you have to kind of bear in mind that unless you're writing about WWE, you're going to get a far smaller audience. And that puts a lot of people off. And I can understand that. But I feel mm-hmm. like, giving other promotions the kind of time that we give wwe is opening a door to people as well because i think when people see that these promotions have got that kind of depth and they've got that kind of you can get your teeth into them and you can spend that time with them i think that's really important and really valuable and it's a good way of of getting people into these these promotions yeah i think so too it's not often that you get to see an in-depth indie review um, yeah. and, and that's something personally I would like to do as well in the realm of podcasting. Just kind of like, let me introduce you to this random promotion I found today on powerslam.tv. And here's yeah, the show right. that I watched. And then I did my research and I found out who these people were. And here they are, you know, and I feel like that's really valuable because you're right. It gives other people that door into the indie world, which is such a special place, by the way. The indies are an unbelievable experience if you've never seen them before there's so much energy and life and passion in independent wrestling that i feel like gets pushed under the rug sometimes people forget about that and they don't explore it enough yeah i agree and i think it's good to get out your comfort zone sometimes i think indies are some of the best ways of doing that of just you know dragging you out from what what you expect from wrestling and giving you something completely different a completely different perspective um, and it's, you know, it's also a good way of getting to know the kind of up and coming wrestlers because, you know, you can guarantee that a lot of the guys who are killing it in the indies right now will go mm-hmm. on to end up in places like WWE or NJPW or AEW, you know, the, 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 the big players. So there's kind of a small joy in in kind of seeing them. Like, I think when, when Sadie Gibbs got signed to AEW, I got super excited because I've been yes. watching her in uh, British Empire Wrestling and, and Eve. She'd been, she'd had some appearances there. And so I kind of like, oh, Sadie Gibbs is awesome. And I'm so glad now everyone's going to get to see how awesome Sadie Gibbs is because she is awesome. Um, 
but yeah you know and I, I just I just think you know I think as as wrestling journalists I think our number one responsibility is to to you know to share the love but authentically to authentically share the love not just to go where the audience already is because that will never go away um but to uplift and to 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 raise up promotions that we love you know that we genuinely love that we are writing about because we enjoy them and because we want to write about them I think that's that's kind of what's missing sometimes and I get the reasons I do understand why we focus on WWE and AEW and well okay AEW is still fairly new but you know while we focus on the big companies but I just I just kind of like you know I have this 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 vision of this kind of really rich uh (laughs) this kind of really rich pool of 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 promotions that you can kind of dip into and 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 find content about and find people who, who, who feel the same way that you do about it and build communities because that's the thing you know sometimes it can get a bit lonely sometimes you know when you're the only person watching a particular promotion like did anybody watch this really obscure promotion everyone's like no who the hell is that <laughs> yes you know i totally understand but yeah i just think passion i think you know gen but, but, but genuine passion for things i think that's I'd love to see more of that. Yeah, for sure. I, I I hope so too. I hope that's the the path taken forward by a lot of wrestling journalists and just to give us that different experience and you know widen the eye a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And I also hope for more coverage of women's wrestling. Yeah, for sure. Just to have that come more to the forefront. You know, just for me as a fan, I'd love to read in general, of course. So anything that I can get my hands on for that, I'm really interested in. I just want to learn more. And I feel like a lot of people are, are the same way. So I'm I'm really hopeful for that aspect as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been really lucky to work with a lot of people who are really, uh, really passionate about women's wrestling. Like Kristen Ashley, who runs Bell to Bells, is really, you know, she's she's kind of on a mission to to make women's wrestling, you know, to, to, just to just to improve the quality of coverage but also improve the amount of coverage you know so and and have have a place for people who care about women's wrestling and I think that's that's something that's missing right now it's a place that we can you know you can go to that just doesn't just cover WWE but covers all women's wrestling and has that kind of it takes it seriously which I know sounds like a silly thing to say but I feel sometimes like women's wrestling is still kind of a bit fluff people think of it as a bit fluffy and a bit not as not as serious, not as important, not as professional. And I, that's just rubbish. That's total rubbish. You know, I want that. I want that actually gone. You know, women's wrestling is, is doing some incredible things right now. Absolutely. Hands down. Some of the best wrestling in the world. For sure. For women. sure. All you've got to do is watch Stardom for, no you know, kidding. for five minutes and like watch, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and you'd be blown away by what these women can do, you know, and we're just not getting that kind of coverage. I, I wish we did. I wish we did too. And I, and I hope that that moves forward in, in the forefront of people's faces. I want that in their face just so they (laughs) see it, you know? And so someday it'll just be wrestling and we won't have to be defined necessarily by gender. We can just, that's the the dream, isn't it? Like at some point we won't have to worry about, is there a, is there parity? Is there gender parity on this show? Have you got enough of women's, is your women's division focused on enough, you know, because it will just be second nature. Yeah. That's what I hope for, too. I'm glad we're on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as, as women in this field, you know, I don't write, but you do. And I, I podcast. And as women in the wrestling industry, so to speak, it, 
you know, we're, we're outnumbered a lot of times, uh, most of the time, really, to be honest. And it's so, it's such a beautiful thing for me to connect with other women who are just as passionate about wrestling as I am, who love to have these type of conversations where we can dive in as women, as fans, where we can present our point of view and perspective. And I can imagine for you as a writer, that's important, especially in this, in this field. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely is. And I've been really fortunate to, and you know, a lot of the time it's men kind of have to open the gate for yeah. you, which is frustrating. And, but at the same time, it's really gratifying when you, when you kind of have male colleagues who will open the gate for you yes. and kind of, yeah, that's, and that's, you know, I always say, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, I get that men don't choose to have privilege, but if you have it, use it and use it to do things like that, you know, lift up women's voices and encourage women to write because I do think that we've got a unique perspective on things because, you know, and, and I say the dream is that one day they, they, we won't need you. We won't have a unique perspective because it will all be equal and there'll be parity right. and it'll be wonderful. But right now with the way that wrestling is, we, that we don't have that, you know, we still have WWE, you know, months and months after doing an entire pay-per-view about their evolution and stuff running shows that women aren't actually allowed to go to and you know having having 10 minutes of women's wrestling on raw or putting out the bare minimum you know it's just going backwards and that's still happening so it is important to for us to be able to turn around as women and say this is bullshit and this is why because who who is more qualified to to point that out than the gender that are not being represented, right? I'm not saying that men can't do it. Of course men can do it. Oh my God, but, yeah. You know, and I'm glad that men do. It's always, it's always, you know, pleasing when men call this out. But I think it's one of those things that we need to kind of, we do need to have a voice. And, you know, there are, there are more women journalists coming through, you know, like, yes. uh, you know, Harmony at Daily DDT is a really important voice. And I, uh, everything she writes is... Is, is gold you know there's a lot of women out there that are doing good stuff so it is it's improving it is getting better and it's really nice to see yeah it, it's a beautiful thing to see it and is <laughs> I I'm I'm loving it you know yeah. and and I'm very fortunate to be on a network on Brain Buster Radio where all of my male colleagues have encouraged me wanted my voice were interested in my opinion enjoy yeah. that and lift me up instead of you know not opening the door at all, as you spoke to. And my other show, DYWTSB, who gave me my start in podcasting, was the exact same way yes. and still are right now. And they're very supportive. And and everyone I'm, I'm surrounded with, I'm very lucky that they're like, yeah, like, this is great. We need more women. Like, yes, bring in yeah. more. And I'm like, yes, okay, all <laughs> I'll find them. <laughs> all the women. The I'll search the internet. I'll find them. <laughs> we are legion. And you know what's great? Like, I think... I discovered this more when I started watching um, New Japan because New Japan's got a huge female following. And I feel like if you make your promotion welcoming to women, they will come and they will speak and you will hear them. You know, one thing New Japan is good at doing is is acknowledging its female audience and being really welcoming to them. And I think, uh, you know, that's kind of translated into the West as well, because I see quite a lot of women kind of even though there's no women's wrestling in njpw which is a which is a, a, obviously a, a can of worms for for another time because it's a huge can of worms it certainly think, is you know i think you can have an all-male promotion that still welcomes women and understands what women want and understands how to make women comfortable i think that is very much a thing you can do and i think new japan does do that very well 
Absolutely. I totally agree. And I, that is another can of worms. And Laura, maybe we'll just have to have you back on Queen's Court so we can have that <laughs> conversation. I think that would take an entire podcast episode I by think itself. <laughs> I think it would. And I'm so down if you are. <laughs> yeah, let's, let, let's do it. Let's do it. Let, let's, let's make it happen. <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll, have to, I'll have to have a stiff drink before I uh, before I go with that oh, one. <laughs> have one or two, honey. Yes, one or two. But it has been my absolute pleasure to speak with you today. What a fantastic conversation. I have enjoyed this so very much. And I know everyone listening is going to love your your perspective and what you had to say just now. So thank you so very much for coming on Queen's Court today. And if you would be so kind, would you tell the listeners where they can find you and all of that really great information? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, by the way. It's been great fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Laura N. Mauro. Uh, and you can find me writing over at Daily DDT and Bell to Bells and uh, Steel Chair and various, various places. <laughs> well, people, I know that uh, you fell in love today just like I did. So you're going to follow her, of course, and I will link all of her information below. And stay tuned for the next segment on this week's Queen's Court. Hey everybody, Big Paul's on a Pup JPQ from No Particular Angle, and you're listening to Queen's Court with the Queen of NE on Brain Buster Radio. All right, everyone, welcome back from that quick commercial break. And of course, as promised in the intro to this episode, I have him here, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Kevin Carroll from Friday's Wrestling Reverb, and of course, so many other things, which is why he's here today. And I'm going to let him tell you all about that. Kevin, how are you? I am great, Queen. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a dream of mine for weeks now, months even. (laughs) (laughs) Months, weeks. Well, you're finally here. I'm stoked to have you on Queen's Court. It's been a long time coming. I kind of threw this at you a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yo, that we're going to do this. And you're like, yes! <laughs> so I'm happy that it's finally happening for the 19th episode of Queen's Court. So super exciting, Kev. The 19th episode, wow. Wow. Almost, I know, right? That's, cra- that's crazy how, how how short it really is. It's only been 19 episodes, and that, that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but you, I feel like you've been doing this forever. Thanks, Kev. That makes me feel really nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, I know you and uh, and our pal Joshi here are at one year anniversary here, which is, you know, that's wonderful for Wrestling Reverb and, you know, happy birthday, of Thank course. You. And, uh, you know, but today we're not going to really talk about Wrestling Reverb. We're going to talk about something very specific, and that, of course, is wrestling journalism. So, Kev, for those who don't know, tell the people what you do. Yeah, um, I myself am a journalist. Um, not of the rest. I, I write. I write about wrestling for myself. I write. I am the uh, the editor in chief, so to speak, of the last blogger standing. The a blog I started back in October, where you know I was at like a crossroads in life, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And all I knew is that I really loved wrestling, and I really loved writing. And I wanted to combine those two things in a way where I could, you know, maybe do something with my writing ability and my wrestling love. And so I've started writing for a couple websites, divadirt.com, thechairshot.com. So I, in a way, I guess maybe you could consider me a wrestling journalist, even though I don't, you know, I don't measure, I don't measure up to some of the, to some of the big names out there, obviously. But I'm also involved with Brain Bust to OP, 
which is Brainbusters Original Press, which is Brainbusters Radio's very own blog site. We've got so many talented writers on there writing, you know, daily about, you know, New Japan, All Japan, WWE, NXT, everything you could think of with wrestling and, and in between. We've got it covered. Yeah, you certainly do over there. And, you know, what's interesting is that you say that, you you know, yeah, I can see what you mean. You're being a little humble right now, and I appreciate that. But, you know, you're really good at what you do. I've read some of your stuff, of course, and uh, I, I like your style of writing. It's pretty engaging, just as you are when you talk on, you know, Wrestling Reverb and other podcasts I've heard you on, you know, before. It's it's kind of a reflection of how you put those two things together, as you mentioned. And that's kind of the story I, I want to get out here a little bit about you. Like, how did you start writing? Did you go to school for writing? Were you writing as a kid? Like, how did that all come to be? So I've been writing since I was very, very young. I started I started writing just, you know, little silly short stories and things of that nature from the time I was, like, maybe five or six. Around fifth grade, um... I was able to start writing in class, whereas, like, for the first, like, four or five years of my education, kindergarten through fourth grade, I was, I was one of those, I was one of the gifted kids, so I was always, like, one step ahead of the game in class, and I would get bored as a result, so I would try writing, just because, you know, I wanted to exercise my mind, and I wanted to do something that I wanted to do, not something that, you know, was being sort of forced upon us by the teachers, and then in fifth grade, my teacher caught me doing this and instead of you know getting me in trouble or making me stick to the curriculum she carved out an hour every day for me to just go on the computer and write about whatever i wanted yeah i didn't have to worry about reading or math or science or social studies i just got to write and she would read what i wrote and she's the first one who ever told me that kevin you're going to be a writer and i took that to heart and ever since then i've been trying to make her proud by just writing. I, I took journalism classes in high school. I'm, I was a journalism major in college. Uh, yeah, I've been doing this for so long now, and I, I'm still, you know, learning, still improving, still trying new ways to get better. But yeah, it's been a long time coming for me as a writer. Yeah, wow. What a story about that teacher. What a profound impact she had on your life. And the fact that she, you know, recognized that talent and that drive that you had to do this activity and said you know what okay let's have you do it and see what happens and let's foster that and and you know how that moved through your high school and then college career so what type of writing do you enjoy the most keep wrestling aside for a moment we're gonna get there (laughs) shortly enough (laughs) um i really enjoy writing like fiction i i've written i'm not finished but i've I'm in the process of writing a couple of different uh, things, some some novel ideas. Uh, one of them does one of them does involve wrestling, but I won't talk about that right now. <laughs> yes, tell me about it. Yeah, we're gonna we, the wrestling talk we'll save. But I, I enjoy writing fiction. I enjoy writing you know fantastical stories that I can sort of make up and sort of stretch my imagination and get that mental exercise going. Yeah, I think fiction is you know for you know, more creative type of writing. Not not to say that nonfiction isn't creative, but you're kind of limited to what the facts are, you know? Yeah. It's like, this is the report that I'm going to give you and and I'm going to explain X, Y, Z. And, and it can get very detailed and very intricate, but I feel like with fiction, it's your imagination way more, obviously, because you get to write whatever it is that you want. And I can imagine yeah. why that would be really appealing. 
Yeah, I've always been told I have a vivid imagination too. So it uh, it's good to get, it's good to put that to use in a way that's creative and that I enjoy, and I think it helps me as well. Sure. So how did this fiction writing that you love to do and your college experience transition into what you do today? Where was the thing that got you your start in writing, um, you know, obviously journalism, but in wrestling journalism? So, yeah, so in college, I actually, this is actually where the uh, the foundation of The Last Bogger Standing was laid. When I was a, a freshman in college a couple years ago, I had a class, a journalism class, one of the ba- one of the, like the beginner, the entry courses, and basically the entire class was make a blog and maintain it throughout the course of the semester. Mm-hmm. And so there were like 11 kids in the class, and I think of 11 kids, seven of them did, did sports, uh, and I think two of them did politics, one of them did fashion, and I wanted my blog to be very different from everybody. I didn't want it to be generic, like generic sports. Which is, which is, I mean, I'm a big sports guy, but I didn't want it to be that generic. So I decided, you know, I love wrestling. Let's, nothing is more different in this classroom right now than wrestling. So I, I, so that's what I did. And my professor at first thought it was like the craziest idea. He's like, I don't know how, I don't know how you're going to maintain it. I don't, I don't get the, the appeal. I don't get the vibe. And by the end of the semester, I had managed to turn with my writing to turn him around and make him see that, you know, wrestling is cool. <laughs> wrestling is happening. It's what people want to be watching right now. And I, I was very proud of myself for that. So that's where the wrestling writing started. I let that sort of die out for a while. And then after college, um, when I was just trying to figure out what I was doing and I was dealing with some stuff and I just didn't know what I wanted really. Um, I knew I wanted to be a journalist, but I didn't have any inroads to get there at the moment. So I just started writing my blogs and it sort of led me to this point where I was able to link up with, you know, other bloggers. I was able to link up with podcasters and do shows. I was able to embrace this wrestling community that I've grown to love so much online. And without, you know, without that class back in, you know, back in college, I probably wouldn't have ever had the idea to start a wrestling blog. Yeah, it kind of was your platform, your your foundation into how that's connected you to wrestling Twitter and the community that you've built and found there and the podcasts you've been on and working with Josh and then working with us at Brain Buster Radio. So I can imagine that kind of if you look back, you're like, whoa, like that's like profound because I did this thing to be different. And now look, a couple years later, here you are. That's got to be kind of weird, <laughs> but cool, but weird. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's 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 been a it's been a very cool experience, very crazy experience. I never thought I never saw myself, you know, podcasting and being like a wrestling Twitter figure. Um, maybe yeah. that's a little maybe that's a little uh, braggadocious, but you know, <laughs> right. I I talk to people online and I I've I've been able to uh, to enjoy myself and also offer something to the world with um, with my wrestling writing. Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned Diva Dirt and TheChairShot.com. So how did you end up writing for them and contri- being a contributor for those uh, websites? Yeah, so um, for a few months when I started the blog, I was just solely doing the blog. And obviously that's a labor of love and not a labor of financial stability. 
So I wasn't able to, I mean, I don't make money off the blog, obviously, but I wanted to find a way because I was, you know, I was unemployed at the time. I wanted to find a way to make some money doing some freelance writing. And I thought, is there a way to do this while still maintaining my ability to write about wrestling? And so I saw openings at both these sites, divadirt.com and thechairshot.com. And I, I just applied to both of them and got them both. And it's, it's unique because they're two very different websites. I write about, you know, wrestling, you know, women's journalism, women's wrestling exclusively for Diva Dirt. Uh, news, it's a news site. And the chair shot is more of a blog, like opinion site, where I get to stretch my legs a little bit more and write about, you know, all sorts of different things. So they're two very different websites, but I've enjoyed working for both of them. Yeah, that's really, really cool and different and fun. And I can imagine they both allow you to do different aspects that you as you just were speaking to. But now you have also Brainbuster Original Press. And I'm very curious as to why you felt and Will felt that this needed to be a part of our umbrella under Brainbuster Radio. Yeah, Wolf approached me um, it's been about a month now, I'd say. Wolf approached me, and, and he he knew that I was a blogger. He was one of the first pe- one of the first real contacts I made in the wrestling Twitter world. Uh, back way back when my blog was in its infancy, I interviewed him, and we talked a little bit. And then you know, lo and behold, X amount of months later, I'm here on Brainbuster Radio, and he approached me, and he's like, "We need, you know, we we've got we've got the radio, we've got the podcasts, we're working on Brainbuster TV." how about a brain bust a blog site because there are so many talented bloggers out there on Twitter that just don't have a place to get their, they don't have a platform to, uh, to get their work out there. And so we started it up. We approached a few different bloggers on Twitter and then we, we made it so anyone could blog for us. And we've got some really talented writers like Conrad Newton and, and Alex Fullwood, the, uh, the walking the King's road series. Yes. Oh my God. So good all about all Japan in the 90s. Really terrific stuff. And we've got so much more. And we've got so much more coming down the pike. And I'm re- I really enjoy doing it because it allows me to become an editor, which I was in college. It allows me to be- to stretch those muscles and work on my editing abilities, which you never know when those might come in handy again. So I- I've all really enjoyed it. I think me and Wolf have done a really good job with it. I, I-, I- Again, I give all credit to Wolf because this was his idea first. He's, He's the pod father. This is all... <laughs> This all wouldn't be possible without him. So I give all the credit in the world to Wolf. Um, he, it was his idea. We've done a great job with it. And I'm looking forward to seeing it grow. Yeah, so am I. The content that has been coming out of this is really top-notch. And it's so exciting to have all of these wonderful contributing authors. And I'm looking forward to to what's next. Um, but before we transition to talk a little bit about you know, these articles in general and wrestling journalism in general. I want to pick your brain on that. But why should people read Brain Buster Original Press as opposed to other places? What makes us so special? Because we're so different. We're so unique in that we are not a wrestling news site. We're not going to be writing recaps of Raw, recaps of SmackDown, previews of pay-per-views. We're not, you know, breaking news and we're not like a dirt sheet. You know, we're not one of the sites that just tweets out anything to try to get a few clicks we have original thought-provoking driven pieces of content from fabulously talented writers that you won't find anywhere else 
you won't find the content that we provide anywhere else. You really are missing out if you're not reading Brain Buster OP. I mean, I, I can say that with 100% certainty. If you're not, if you're out there listening to this and you're on the fence about reading, you know, go to our website bbr. I don't even remember the site off the top of my head. <laughs> Brain Buster Original Press. Yeah, it's bbr.home.blog. There yeah. it is. I got you back, buddy. It's a lot to remember. It's a lot to remember. That's a that's a that's a poor reflection of me, but honestly, that oh, you're fun. You um that that really go to the website, pick a blog, any blog. There's so much on there, and you will you will realize what you've been missing pretty quickly. Absolutely. And just when you head to bbr.home.blog and you go to the articles section, you know, there's a drop down menu and you can find something for you, which is exactly what Brain Buster Radio brings every single day. There's a different podcast for for everybody out there. There's a different article for everybody out there. We have WWE, New Japan, AEW, opinion pieces, retrospect pieces, classic Japan, Ring of Honor, Impact. Like literally everything that you could possibly think of is here already. And we're just in the infancy. So I, I, I give full credit to you and Will for getting these amazing people on here to share their minds. Um, there's some really cool pieces in there that I think are, you know, a necessary read. The Walking the King's Road three-part series, out of control. You have to read that, especially. Oh, so just it's, in so... my personal opinion. <laughs> and you'll learn from it, too. That's yes. the, the thing is, like, I didn't know that much about All Japan before I read Walking the King's Road. And... I, it, it just blew my mind, and I, I, I made me go back and I watched some of those old like Kawada Misawa matches, and sure. they're just excellent. Same thing with the uh, Conrad Newton series about you know the the dark ages of, of New Japan professional wrestling. That's right. I learned a lot about what happened before the era of Tanahashi, and when it got really good again, there was that that period where it was down, and I did not re- even realize that as somewhat of a newer New Japan fan. So you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot from Brain Buster Original Press, as well as being entertained. Yeah, I agree with you as well. No, I mean, I'm a little biased, but I also agree. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. You're allowed to be biased. I'm allowed to be biased. I'm the queen, right? Come at yeah. me. Try it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so for you, what's been your favorite piece of, that you've written so far that you're really proud of? Um. Oh, man, there's a couple. Um, I'm sure there I, are. <laughs> I know for my own personal blog, one of the things I, I, I would do is I'd write Mental Health Monday pieces, and it was sort of an outside, non-wrestling look at mental health, and there were some pieces where I, where I was able to write where mental health and wrestling intersected. I know a lot of people on, on this uh, in this community that I know are also dealing with some mental health issues, and I've written a lot about that extensively. And I'm proud of those. I'm very proud of my interviews, my 10 question segments I've done with everyone. Yep. Uh, they're really good. And for Brain Buster Original Press, I wrote a blog about positivity mm-hmm. and how important it is to stay positive and to find the good in wrestling and to find the, the things you really love about wrestling as opposed to the things you really hate. And focus on those things you love because it just it's healthier. It's It'll make you happier. It'll make you appreciate wrestling more because wrestling is so awesome. Uh, I'm really, I was really proud of that one. Yeah, that was one of my favorites too of yours. I enjoyed that. It's nice. It gave me a fresh perspective on like, yo, Mamie Queen, you need to take a step back and chill out. <laughs> you know, I mean, and just I, try I, I, to like relax a little bit and enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I feel like you know, 
Right, exactly. It's 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 very common, and it's very popular to kind of like you know really shit on things sometimes, and and that's just it's not really what you need to do. You got to be positive. <laughs> yeah, it's just so much easier to be positive. It I, is, I, yes. And I know people out there are prone to be negative, and I've found myself falling into that trap before too. So I can't say you know I'm I'm I can't say it without a hint of hypocrisy, but it really is so much better to just you know like wrestling than to, than to hate like it i know i i agree i agree and then just to be positive in your interactions as well which is something you spoke to and i think it's great but i i find a lot with wrestling journalism there's some things that that make me a little red flaggy like ooh, i don't really know how i feel about that in terms of how people are expressing their opinions and taking other people's opinions, I wouldn't say lightly, but they're not taking them seriously enough, right? And only showing one side of a of a story as opposed to being more well-rounded and showing each side and kind of giving your analysis from there. So there's some things that I've seen personally that I wanted to talk to you about because this is your thing. This is not my forte. I'm just a reader. I don't, I don't write. <laughs> I'm not a journalist. So I guess... What do you think are some of the responsibilities that wrestling journalists have? I think there's more than we even think about. I think that we sort of take wrestling journalists. um, I think we take the idea of wrestling journalism lightly uh, and the fact that really anybody with um, a source and a keyboard could consider themselves a wrestling journalist but there are so many irresponsible people out there that do that. Um, not to name names off the top of my head, but there's definitely a lot of people I've seen on Twitter tweet mm-hmm. things out as journalism in the name of journalism, and they're wrong. You have a responsibility as a journalist to not just be right. You're going to be wrong sometimes, but you have to be you have to be transparent with people. Number one, you have to let them know that you know. Take this with a grain of salt. You never know if I'm right or right. I might be wrong. I might be right. I trust my, you trust your sources indefinitely. That's, that's never going to change. You always trust your sources, but you always have to allow for a little bit of leeway with your reporting. You can't just say, this is the, this is what it is. This is what I say. This is gospel because people will take you at your word for that. There are some writers out there who treat every single thing they say, like it's the absolute truth. Mm -hmm. And, you can't have that attitude because you're not going to be right 100% of the time. And you have to own up to that. That's a responsibility. You have to own up when you're wrong. And I, I honestly don't ever see that in journal, in wrestling journalism. And even, in, even in journalism in general, like you have, if you're wrong, you're wrong. You have to own up to that. You can't just brush it off. You have to be open and honest with people about it. And not, not being honest is like one of the worst things you could do as a journalist. And I've seen a lot of it. Where, you know, if you get something wrong, you just say, oh, things changed or, oh, you know, this happened or that happened. You know, you you, you do anything to avoid being wrong and it hurts your credibility as a result. Yeah, that was kind of what I was trying to get out, what you said so eloquently, the the red flags I've been seeing. Just the stuff that's being posted, you know, and wrestling journalism is what we're talking about. But I think in journalism in general – people are very hungry to be the first person to write about something. Yes. You know, we're always on Twitter looking for the newest news and like, Oh, what's happening with this promotion? What about this wrestler? And like, what's going on? And Oh man, did you hear about this? 
And sometimes, like you spoke to, people are presenting their story that they're, they've written and put out there as the absolute Bible truth, and this is the real thing. Come to find out, because they rushed to get it out, quote-unquote, first, that the information isn't entirely accurate. And I wonder, you know, accountability, I guess, is what we're talking about here, right? The, I'm going to write this article about X, but I'm going to be do and do my due diligence and be respectful on how I'm going to present that information. And like you were saying, I'm going to put out what I feel. This is my opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. Here are my sources. Here's why I think what I think, but leave it there where a lot of people are like, this is what happened. This is how it is. And this is why, and that's it. And there's no accountability for that. Should that report turn out to be incorrect. And that's something that I feel bothers me, not just in wrestling journal journalism, but on the news in general, there, everybody's very quick to get it out first, but it might not be the best thing. So I wanted to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, it, that's, that's, you really nailed it there. Um, being first in journalism is a plus, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You always want to be, fir- you always want to be first, but somewhere along the line, we've mixed up being quick with being accurate, like you said, and accuracy is the most important thing. You, you, you can't really, you can't conflate the two. You cannot confuse the two wrestling or wrestling journalism regular journalism no matter what you know any any sort of writing any sort of news reporting you have to be accurate before you can get the word out uh and so many times you see such quick rapid fire responses but you 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 piece through them and i think a lot of writers only write for the headline i think they they write a headline and then they hope no one looks past it into Mm. the article because that's where you begin to find mistakes. And, you know, wrestling is, or re- journalism, wrestling journalism is so much more than just a headline. It's the actual story is so important, too. Like, you could have a headline be so misleading. And that's sure. a common trick in journalism is to, to have that misleading headline, hope people see that and respond to it and click on your article. But they're really hoping that, you know, you don't look in, you don't look through the lines into the fine print of the article and see where these people are sort of twisting words and sort of taking the truth and twisting it up to where it's really not the truth anymore. Uh, it's a common trick. I've seen it plenty of times. I'm gonna, you're going to continue to see it because it's just the way of the world. But it's it's a sad state of affairs when that is the way of the world. Yeah, and especially in our global society, in our instant internet society where we have supercomputers in our hand and information spreads faster, quick, you know, uh, unbelievably fast in terms of, hey, did you hear this? I can shoot a text out in two seconds and here's a copy paste article link, you know, and that's the kind of responsibility that I feel a good wrestling journalist should should really take into account that this is a very serious thing. I mean, you know, with wrestling, I feel like the wider world doesn't understand it as a whole that doesn't watch it. They're like, oh, that's that fake stuff. And why are you into that? Blah, blah, blah. Well, we know all that. We understand that. But for those of us who are really in it, I mean, these are people's lives that you're reporting on or talking about or forming an opinion on as well. Just like any other movie celebrity. It's the same type of thing. It's just very yeah. different avenues that they are participating in. There are different types of performance, but people still talk about it. So I feel like, um, you know, there still needs to be that level of accountability that I feel places like dirt sheets don't always have. And that leads me to really my next question is how do we define 
wrestling journalism? And how do dirt sheets fit into that? <sighs> Hard-hitting questions. Here. I know. <laughs> well, you're, what can I say? <laughs> uh, we, we def- you define wrestling journalism as reporting on the the daily happenings in the wrestling world, whereas dirt sheets define wrestling journalism as reporting on wrestling without a hint of truth or just for clicks journalism isn't about just about clicks that's where dirt sheets separate themselves from honest to god journalists is that they they they're driven by ad revenue and by clicks and they will tweet out report on you know say just about anything to get those clicks and to get that ad revenue whereas honest to god journalism wrestling journalism is about getting the facts right. It's about reporting on things with sources and with background information, with extensive detail and an eye for detail and getting it right. Dirt sheets are about getting it out. Journalism is about getting it right. Oh, I really like the way you said that. I feel the same way. I mean, the dirt sheets serve a purpose in in one sense, you know, to get you that quick information or something like, oh, hey, this is happening, blah, 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 but no real depth or explanation. So it alerts, I think, more than informs. And that's how I take those. And I always take dirt sheets with a grain of salt. I feel like, I don't know how you view it when you are on Twitter or wherever and you're looking at it. You know, there are some that I feel are more accurate than others. Is that a fair statement, would you say? Yeah, there are definitely some... There are definitely some outlets out there that are more accurate than others. There are some that are, like, shamelessly wrong about things, and they don't even care, (laughs) and they just move on to the next story as if nothing happened, knowing that, you know, their credibility doesn't even matter to them as long as they're going to get clicks because people are going to see that because it's off and out first. But there are outlets that do their due diligence, and even though they're not right all the time, they get it right sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's value in that you're not losing all your credibility that way you're getting it right about how you're getting it right maybe maybe more often than you get it wrong and even though getting it wrong should is something that you just want to avoid at all costs it's going to happen no matter what like you know no one's perfect at the end of the day we're all fallible and we all make mistakes so journalists out there make mistakes wrestling i've made mistakes wrestling journalists make mistakes uh it's really about limiting those mistakes and being transparent like i said being transparent about those mistakes when they do occur yeah and i also wonder about how wrestling journalism is going to move into the future you know as as somebody who really loves to read you know i know a lot of people that don't and i know a lot of people that would rather just see something very quickly or have like the video news, you know, where the here's here's the wrestling journalists and reporters and they're on YouTube for like five minutes and here's the rundown and stuff like that. So I feel like how do we keep the wrestling journalism alive and well and in the the fabric of the wrestling community? What would you think would be the ways we can really support those writers, including yourself? Well, I do think that as long as there is wrestling, there will be wrestling writers. Um, obviously, the way the world is going, it's going to be more digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not it's, it's not to say that you shouldn't be supporting, you know, wrestling streamers and digital news people as well, because that's also super important. 
but there's always going to be writers and to support them, you know, just keep reading, just, you know, share their articles, share their work. Um, they're going to keep, they're going to keep on keeping on. They're going to keep writing because people are always going to want to read that information. People are going to, there's always going to be a generation of people that don't trust what they see in video and mm. they're going to want to read it instead. And I, it's like the way with newspapers where, you know, newspapers are slowly going by the wayside, but they're always going to be there because there's always going to be people that want to read a newspaper. There's always going to be people that want to read a wrestling website. Right. I feel like I feel like that's a, a valid argument for sure. And I, I certainly hope that it stays that way. But as we move into this new digital age, you know, where is wrestling journalism in five to ten years from now? If we're going to go digital, then... Is that really more video? Are there ways that we can make wrestling journalism more interactive? Because that's what I feel like. It seems the wrestling community likes to have involvement in yeah. what they say and what I'm not what they say, excuse me, what they read and what they visually see uh, or they listen to in podcasts. So kind of like thinking about that in general. How, how do we do that as writers? You make it more interactive by just giving giving readers a chance, readers to to, to just you know, get involved more. You know, you ask them for help. You know, you, there's such a thing as, as spectator journalism, where mm-hmm. you don't have to have a fancy degree and a huge following to go out and report the news. If you like, like I said, like I said earlier in the show, really anybody could be a wrestling journalist if you have a source and uh, a keyboard or a phone even. So I think that more and more you're going to you're going to see more and more people popping up as sort of extensions of these news outlets. I think you're going to see news outlets turn to the people more for information as we as we go forward because interaction is huge with wrestling Twitter. Sure. Everyone likes to be involved. And I really think that with people getting more, I think people will get more involved as time goes on. I think you'll see these outlets grow instead of shrink, honestly. I think more people will tap into the wrestling journalism world. I would like that, Kev. Really, I would. Oh, I just, I'm a consumer. I love to read. I, I really do. I read books all the time. Oh, and I, I enjoy, like I do with podcasts, listening to people talk about things I don't know about. That's how I learn best. You know, when I was starting into New Japan, for example, I would listen to New Japan podcasts. I had no idea what was going on, but I was like, okay, I'm going to listen and I'm going to try to figure out what it is while I'm watching it. Because, you know, when you always, you enter a new promotion, you're like, what, who's that? Why are these belts look like that? What's going on? What's the story? I don't understand it, especially if it's in another language. So you really have to like do your research (laughs) as a consumer, as a fan. And for me, it was wrestling podcasts that I would listen to. And then I turned to the writing and I was like, oh, these guys write blogs. This is even better Then I can learn about the history. So for people like me, that's perfect. The more writing, the better, in my humble opinion. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, again, a little bit of bias, but I agree. More writing, the better. (laughs) I think so, too. So to kind of wrap up this conversation for you, where do you want your writing to be? in the short term and then the long term? What are your kind of goals as a wrestling journalist and a journalist in general? I just, I want my writing to be everywhere. <laughs> the, the short answer to your question. Yeah. I want I want to be on, you know, I just, I just want my work to be seen and to be responded to. I think that's the huge, the biggest thing, the huge thing is that, you know, you could write all you want, 
But if you're not getting feedback and you're not getting responses and you're not interacting with people in a way through your writing, it's almost all for moot. I really love hearing from people that read my work and whether they have positive critiques, negative critiques, they don't like it, they love it. I've, I've gotten a bit of both. Um, <laughs> it's always worthwhile to get that because it really helps you grow as a writer. And it really helps you grow as a wrestling fan, too. Like I, I've learned more from people through you know responses to my writing than I've learned from myself recently, honestly. People always have new information for you. They've always got new things for you to learn. And mm-hmm. I want my writing to help me learn. I want to be learning through writing. And the only way to do that is by getting people responding. So I want people to be seeing my work. That's like my main goal. Short term and long term. I just want people to be reading my work and to hopefully to like it, but to respond to it. Sure. I think that's a great goal, Kev. And in that spirit, would you please tell everybody where they can find you and all of your amazing wrestling journalist pieces and blogs and websites? <laughs> Absolutely. You can find me in a bunch of different places. You can find me on divadirt.com. You can find me on thechairshot.com. You can find me at Brainbuster Original Press, which is bbr.home.blog. You give me a second chance and I'll get it right. <laughs> you uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Kevin C. Wrestling. And last but not least, you can find my blog, thelastboggerstanding.wordpress.com. Check it out. I'm hoping, you know, with some of my off days from work, because I am a journalist at my local newspaper, too. I'm a real, I'm a real journalist and a fake journalist. <laughs> uh I'm hoping with some of my days off to get more wrestling work done. Uh, it's tough now with the full-time schedule, but I'm looking to make it work. I, I'm not going away from wrestling writing. And in fact, the opposite is true. I'm, I'm trying to get more and more into it as we go. I love that Kev. And I just want to say thank you so much for having this really honest, super cool conversation about wrestling journalism. It's something I haven't seen a lot of people talk about on podcasts at least in our, my little circle. So I was really excited to nab Kev and uh, and bring you on, buddy. So thank you so much for holding court with Queen today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a blast. I love talking about this sort of thing. Uh, it's not, you're, you're right, it's not really something that gets talked about too often. A lot of people don't really talk about wrestling journalism too much, except maybe to bash it. But it's nice to have this open discussion where you, you look at the positives and negatives of both, of, of, you look at both sides of the, of the coin. Well, I'm trying to be a good journalist, Kev. I'm trying to look at both sides and then come to the conclusion. <laughs> That's how it works. You got to hey, look buddy. at both sides. <laughs> I do try. Well, anyway, of course, my Queen's Courtiers, please go follow Kev on Twitter and follow all of his amazing articles on all of the cool websites he just told you about. And, of course, on Wrestling Reverb every single Friday on Brain Buster Radio. All right, kids, we're back with the Queen's Courtier's Questions segment. So I have a couple of questions to answer this week. And the first is from Mr. Ozzylution. What's up, Ozzy? Ozzy asks, how would you book the rivalry between Tessa and Sammy? Great question. So I'm thinking right now what would be best for business, so to speak, is to keep this feud alive and well to present that intergender wrestling is just that. It's it's wrestling. You just happen to have a male and a female in the ring fighting one another, having a feud and rivalry and storyline just like anybody else. 
that I think needs to be something that's normalized, especially for the wider community. Now, that's not to say that intergender wrestling or male versus female wrestling is for everyone. I understand that it's not everyone's cup of tea and that's cool. But for me, I think it's something that needs to continue and be on the forefront. I would book it where they have a couple of more matches, but ultimately in the end, if it was my choice, I would have them be in the end. You know, Sammy gains enough respect for Tessa to invite her into OVE and she turns massively heel and joins OVE. <laughs> That's just me personally. So thank you so much for the question. The next question is from my pal Benji. What's up, bro? So Benji asks, crowds back in the day at wrestling or live shows, they always seem so hype and lit. Well, okay. Do you think that phones or tech or just society as a whole has changed the way people enjoy not just wrestling, but live shows in general? Always seems like people are afraid to just be in the moment. Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes when I go places, particularly if it's wrestling related, I want to get the content out for my followers and for my friends, especially if I'm at an event that people want to see what I'm doing. But then in some ways I feel like, oh my God, like I'm not in the moment. I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing. I'm too busy on my phone trying to post X, Y, or Z. So as a whole, I think it's true. A lot of people in our generation and younger, especially the younger kids now are so used to having technology in their hands all the time that the distraction rate is easy to, to make happen and it's higher. So yeah, I think back in the day when we didn't have distractions for technology, people were more involved. And that's definitely something that we as a whole community need to address. So thank you, Benji, for the awesome question. The next question is from Mr. J to you. What are your thoughts on the Grace Storm debate on Twitter about using your name and kayfabe? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is a great question. You know, I mean, they're real people at the end of the day. And I think it's up to the wrestler to decide how far they want to go with their character. You know, there are some wrestlers, like for example, MJF, who is consistently MJF, whether he's on Twitter, whether he's on a podcast, doing an interview on some sort of, you know, social media platform, in person or in the ring, he is constantly MJF. And that is something that he chooses to do. And it brings a lot to his character. Now, do I personally think that Jordan Grace using her real name on Twitter is a bad thing. I mean, no, that's who she is in, in real life. You know, once she's done wrestling at some point someday, she will always be herself. And even now she's herself, <laughs> you know? It doesn't negate her character for me because I understand what she's doing. Just like watching Ben Affleck or Matt Damon or Chris Evans or Chris Pratt or any number of actors it doesn't take away that I know their real name because they're playing a character in a movie that I really respect or a TV show that I really like. So to me, it doesn't really seem like a big of a deal, but I know a lot of people who are very into kayfabe and appreciate that about the business are very upset about it. So I can understand. Great question, Jay. Thank you so much. And the last question is for Shel uh, is from rather Shelton Stilly. He asks thought on thoughts on SmackDown. Um, Oh no, not SmackDown, SmackVille. I didn't watch it, so I really couldn't tell you, but I did see that people were very, very into it actually, and they seemed like it was a, a cool show. I'm not really sure why it happened or for what purpose, but here we are. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for that question. 
And that'll do us for the Queen's Courtier's Questions segment, my friends. And it's now time to do the Jester and Crown of the Week. For the Jester of the Week, I'm going to go with Jim Cornette. You know, (laughs) some of the stuff that has been on his social media has been just truly unacceptable for me. And this whole new thing, what he's doing now this week and going after Joey Ryan and Jordan Grace and compounding that with his comments about Sunny Kiss and other such members of the LGBTQ community. It's really just disgusting for me. And I've ignored it. I don't engage in that kind of stuff. You know, people are going to have their own sort of opinions. And that's that. But for me, it's just distasteful. And it's trashy. And it's disrespectful. And I that for me earns you a block like I'm not into it. I wasn't following him in the first place, but now it's a block, full out block to not have it be seen on my timeline. I'm just not interested in the garbage behavior. Moving on quickly from that, because that's enough airtime for that dude. Let's go on to the crown of the week. Yes, queen. (laughs) Yes, the crown of the week. And the crown of the week goes to the new Japan Pro Wrestling and the G1 Climax people. It's blowing me away this year. I'm so enjoying it thus far, and they're getting the crown of the week, baby. But that brings us to a close of this week's episode of Queen's Court. Stay tuned for next week's episode, which is the 20th episode. You know your girl has something big planned, so I hope to see you back. And as always, babies, please enjoy the rest of your day and be kind to one another.